One, two, one, two, three, four. Money in the bank don't mean a thing. Inflation rate, that's a meaner thing. Got my masters, passed my classes, started life like amino acids. I buy stocks, I invest in assets. It's not hard, anyone can grasp it. Running out of air, I be gasping. Better drop the mic, so I'ma pass it. Good everybody and thank you for tuning in to episode 48 of Highly Invested where we invest in ourselves, talk about personal growth, and we ask entrepreneurs and those practicing the financial independence retire early movement about some of the best investments that they've made in themselves that help get them to where they are today. Hey everybody, today on the show we've got a West Coast rapper, content creator, and financial educator. You might know him as Georgie by day or it's real shady G at night. This UCLA grad and self-taught investor stands for a lot of the same things I do, taking care of your financial health, your mental health, speaking the truth for the greater good, and being your genuine self. Um, and he advocates as well for financial literacy through his account on Instagram, Financialism. That's where I found him there. You can also find his raps at It's Real Shady G on YouTube and SoundCloud. So everyone give it up for Georgie, a.k.a. It's Real Shady G from Financialism. Georgie, how are you doing today? That was a great intro. Yeah, I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, but I think that's my longest one yet, but it flowed well. So you need no introduction, man. How are you doing tonight? Yeah, I just had my first day of work at a new job. It was fantastic. Oh, you did? Man, we didn't even get to... I'm going to ask you about that. That's awesome. A little bit of a plot twist. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff, man. And uh, yeah, so how's life uh, where you are now, just based on how the world has changed in the last three months? Uh, I guess starting with the job. Do you mind sharing? Yeah, no, of course. So I live in LA, Los Angeles. So we're all city packed. of angels. Yeah, we're all packed together. Uh, no matter where you go, there's gonna be a crowd. Unless you go to El Segundo Beach, there's a spot. There is a spot uh, where you can kind of social distance. And I was the only boogie boarder in the water there, so that's a lot of fun. But uh, I do behavior therapy throughout like my nine to five, which is really more of a 24 seven. Okay. <laughs> the clients are like on call all the time and things happen, especially with COVID. There's a lot of new like situations for children where like they're not in school and their routine is thrown off. So Right. For, and for, so sorry, just to check like be, as a behavioral, uh, sorry, you said behavioral psychologist? Uh, behavior analyst. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. But are, like, were you in an office before and now you're kind of having to go wherever the situation is? Actually, I would always go where the situation is. So <laughs> in this Good field, man. you usually work with clients like where it makes sense, which is most often their home. Right. However, the new job where I'm at, they do 50-50 with home and the clinic. So at the clinic, you get kids on the spectrum coming in and you can control for a lot of things. So you can really like make some breakthroughs, and then you generalize those skill sets in the house. Gotcha. Okay. And so when you say control, is that just kind of the environment? At least when they come to you, you can kind of get a bit more out of them? Yeah, exactly. You can, at this office, like there's like swings and all, all sorts of things where like you can, you know, not all houses have swings right. or, or rock yeah. climbing walls. No, most probably don't. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And I, the big change is we're doing a lot of telehealth, which is like through Zoom, you're basically observing your clients and coaching parents through it or the behavior therapist who's on the ground there. For clarification, I have a supervisor position. So it's 
it's called a BCBA, which is a board certified behavior analyst. You have to pass a huge test. It's like the bar exam is for lawyers. The BCBA exam is for behavior therapists. Okay, gotcha. And how, how difficult was that of an exam? Like, did it take uh, quite a few months to prepare? Oh, oh, I failed the first time. Did you? Oh, yeah, I failed it. It felt like a coin toss. Yeah. And there, you need 400 points to pass. And I had 390, uh, like, I missed it by six oh, points. Yeah. No way. You were that close. Well, good on you for doing it the second time, though, man. That's that's commitment. Yeah. If you like something, you don't want to barely pass. <laughs> no, no. You want to do good, but at least like you're you're gonna stick to it if you're putting all that time in. No, but that that's so cool, man. Like, it's I only know you from your social media image. So of course, <laughs> yeah. Like, getting to know a little bit more about you and how you're helping in that sort of way that definitely reflects on what you what you put out. So it's great. Yeah, in the future, I hope to kind of fuse the two worlds and use some behavioral like uh, strategies with finance, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, you've got lots of time for that. And with how the current state of things are, like, has COVID reminded you in some ways that you know you you're on the right track and and you've picked a picked the right kind of career and focus for yourself? I think I'm in a very safe field where. Well, at the company where I'm at now, they actually lost 10% productivity from like, and we're back now and it's more than it was before because of the adaptation to going into Zoom and making sure like that follows all the, you know, like medical procedures and rules of like safety. But as soon as all of those barriers are crossed, then now you have full access and even more access than ever before. The field is growing like, more than Tesla stock. It's it's just rapidly like expanding almost every day. Right. Make- just imagine that that switch online. No one expects it. And then it almost makes it way more efficient in some ways though. Yeah. We learned a lot from it. Like a lot. I think the field radically changed before people would use like telehealth and all of that just for like teaching kids in rural areas where like people wouldn't get there or on islands. And now it's just like, oh, there's a lot of traffic. I'm going to miss this client. Zoom. Zoom. <laughs> no, yeah, making a verb out of it too. Nice pun there. Well, when I think of Zoom, I just think of Mazda. Zoom, Zoom. But <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I just got what you were saying. It took me like 30 seconds and I'm like, that is a hilarious uh, pun. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, like, it's good. Well, time. cuts to the chase, man. But no, that, that that's great. <laughs> Did you did you always want to be wealthy and in like the well here I'll just leave it at that. Did you always have dreams or aspire to be wealthy when you were younger? I never associated like true wealth with money and I actually did not think about money at all. To me it was all about like being healthy, alive. I like that you say that though cuz I don't think it's necessarily about money either when you have a bit of a deeper understanding around wealth. Yeah, yeah, I think like people get confused a little bit about like being rich and being wealthy you know fact very true yeah and being wealthy to me is health friendships knowledge wisdom as well as the power to motivate others with your knowledge and wisdom and health and friendships you know like if if you're a healthy person that radiates around you and people like man i want to be like that person right over there and living (laughs) living how we live in a system that is around money, you do have to have money part of your definition of wealth because yeah. it's capitalism. You have to. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point, man. And, and like just the way that you you word that, I 
almost took me yeah 27 years of my life to figure that out as well just how yeah like well wealthy is really what you make it but if you can be the best version of yourself people around you notice and there are times where things aren't always going to be great and you're not going to be able to be that best self and it's hard to keep it up but you, you almost need to be practicing all these things that you know again your good health good mental health all these things that do align with your inner values if, if they're working well exactly people around you notice and it inspires them to do the same exactly and that's why i took to finances because it as a hobby and i i did it for my friends really like i started talking about it to inspire them yeah and just by doing by like hey i made this in my investment account today how much did your bank account make you oh did you know you could switch over with a charles schwab account or robin hood <laughs> app and and you know grow your wealth while you sleep so that that's kind of like why I do what I do. And I am seeing like people just by example, they're like, Oh my gosh, I want to do that. And I'm like, yeah, it's easy. It takes like four minutes to make an account. Yeah, right. It's almost the best way to do it. Because there are many times where you can tell someone, you got to start investing, you just got to put that money, you know, or like, even if the money's sitting in the investing account, you just got to put the ticker in, put the, the shares and buy, right. And yeah. like, no matter what, it's just almost like if you show them something and they can just see a picture of it or a visual, then they're like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, yeah, I want that. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Now, I just want to ask you, as someone that's studied in this background, then what are some of the ways that, you know, behavior and money are directly correlated that the average person might not know of? Oh, yeah. And and the, the weird thing is, I think the average person does know, but they yeah. don't do it until they, it's pointed out that they know, like they need really, to confirm yeah, yeah. it, you know, like everyone knows saving money is important, but no one saves it. They just think they save it. Right. Yeah, and there there's a saying in the applied behavior analysis world. You're not a true behavior analyst until you analyze your own behavior. Right. Makes so, sense. Yeah. Spilling that over into the world of finances, you're not a true investor or saver unless you analyze how you invest or save, write it down. Yeah, track it, exactly. Re revisit it, ask yourself why, is it still a good investment? Yeah, man, that's so true. Yeah, tracking behavior is key. Yeah, definitely, tracking your spending, all that. And you know, that's one thing, just I've noticed I've, since I've tried to pay attention more and become more self-aware, it helps me be content knowing that I, yeah, like I said a few things that I wanna do that day and making sure you get them done, it's, I, I agree with that. And, and, and it's also about like in, in ABA, which is applied behavior analysis, like we want to make everything client specific. And mm -hmm. so when it comes to finances, you want to be able to track your data in a way that makes sense to you. For example, like when it comes to budgeting, a lot of people are like, no, I don't want to count my money like that. You know, there's other ways to count it. So for example, yeah, you're, if you're trying to decrease like how much you spend on going out, but you don't want to count it by dollars. You can count it by how many times you go out. So decrease the amount of times you go out rather than focusing on the money. And when yeah. you do go out, just spend how much you want. You know, I'm sure your, your spending will decrease that way, you know? So yeah. there's always a way and you just have to use your own imagination. And that's why like a lot of times you really just have to sit down and write to yourself. Yeah. It's just, it, it's such an important habit, I think, as a, as a healthy adult. And it's, it's unfortunate when people leave school, they're like, oh, I don't have to touch a pen ever again. 
yeah, so good well, for you though. <laughs> yeah, type it if you have to, man. Type yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, right. Things have changed. You can definitely type and not feel bad about it. But it's just yeah, it's a good way to clear whatever's going on in your mind. Now, you weren't were you born in the US or did you immigrate to the US? Yeah, so I actually came here uh at nine months of age from the former Soviet Union. I was born in kind of limbo where my birth certificate, like it says USSR, but the USSR did not exist when I was born. So that's fascinating. Yeah, I'm a limbo baby. (laughs) Dude, that's super interesting. And like, so, well, I mean, you're American now, right? Yeah, I mean... I, I like to think of myself more as a citizen of the world. Yes, a uh, global citizen. That's a good way to put it, too, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Citizen of the world. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, so do you, what was your first memory of, of coming over? But you were a bit young there. But I guess what was the first, like, what was the big lesson about America that you were taught as a kid? Can you think of any stories that just made you think, like, ah, oh, this mm. is America? Yeah, that's a good question. And there is one that is on the top of my head. This is kind of like a pivotal moment for me. And I believe I was in fourth grade. So 9-11 happened a year before when I was in third. And that was definitely like, oh, so this is what happens when two countries don't like each other. And I saw it like for real. And every time like a plane flew overhead, I was like, is it going to fall? Is it going to fall? But my real aha moment was when I realized so it was Saddam Hussein and he was being hung and for some reason it was like pieces of it was shown on TV and I was watching it really and I was just like so shocked because I I didn't know that we still hang people you know yeah or that well at least it's not something that you'd ever see and with your own eyes yeah you wouldn't expect as a young kid i just thought that this was like something that we did in the past to punish like whoever we punished but looking at it on the screen i was like oh my gosh is america like are we good and that was that was like the pivotal moment where like for the first time i was like i don't think this is right and that was like i think a defining moment as an american as a world citizen where like i we we didn't hang saddam hussein but i thought we did and we definitely weren't like stop don't do it he's a good guy like let the judge no right well because like well sorry i just want to step in because he wasn't he hung he was hung in iraq but like i think by his own yeah by his own iraqi people they found him underground right yeah and back then i didn't really get that so i saw it as an american thing and right okay yeah i misunderstood it and to me it was like wow but either way it looked like you know we weren't like oh what a sad day you know and to me, it was just shocking. Was like, oh, there's always, yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, there's two sides to every story, right? You don't know that at a young age, too. Man, yeah, I don't even know if there's only two sides. There could be like nine million. <laughs> there's two. There could be seven billion sides to every story. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that, that moment just struck me, and it, it stayed with me for a long time where, you know, that happened, and I was just like, so this is what it means to be like a citizen of the world, an American. Right, yeah. Like, you don't have to agree. No, yeah, and well, I think that's that's an important distinction too to make is just like you also it's difficult to have an opinion on something when you also well, like when you don't really know everything about it, right? And the whole story and yeah, most people think that they do have one, and it's just the more you, I'm sure you've noticed this too. The more you learn, the more you kind of realize you don't know, and yeah, um, I guess that's just one of the side effects of having to be the world leader, and it's you know certainly not doesn't feel right, but right. 
uh, it's America. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, hey, you can only just do your best and, and try not to let the news and stuff drive you crazy. But um, so when did you first start investing? Is this something you got into as a teenager or when, how were you introduced to it or financial uh, literacy? Yeah. So I was investing before I knew I was investing, uh, ah. which was. I was I was an avid player of Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, focusing more on Yu-Gi-Oh, which is a trading card game from Japan. It was all over TV, and I was one of the kids who who played it consistently. Like once I start something, I stick with it. So I was nine when I started, and I stopped maybe nice. twenty-three. Okay. Yeah. Yo, so, I had Yu-Gi-Oh cards too. Those were they were a trend. I remember. Yeah, and in Yu-Gi-Oh, you can kind of see like, hey, this card isn't being played now. But if they make a type like this in the future, this card will be really hard to get. So I would be buying them up. And that's a form of investing, you know, like just waiting for like, oh, in two years, it might be viable. Like $5 today could be 200 tomorrow. I, well, not tomorrow, but eventually. Yeah, you see time like uh, Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how like I kind of gone into like investing like without knowing yeah. it. As well as I played an online game called RuneScape, which is kind of like World of Warcraft's little brother. It's known for its not so great graphics, but right. there was a grand exchange and you can like trade items there. And the same concept, you can invest in items you think will go up and for your own reasons and you'll be punished for it or rewarded greatly for Interesting. it. Interesting. That's so uh, cool. I mean, just imagine you're looking at it, you're like, what's the value going to be in 2005? <laughs> Yeah, a lot of those games and items like really skyrocketed. Like Yu-Gi-Oh cards, like the first box was about a hundred dollars when it came out, sixty to a hundred, and today it is close to six thousand to nine thousand. Wow, that's unbelievable! Just to think too, how long of a run Pokemon had, like. Oh, don't even get me started there. Those prices are like way higher. Like I believe, like the the first booster box that came out, it was about a hundred dollars today. Good luck finding it for less than 80000 Yeah, wow. Man, do you have any Pokemon cards that you've kept from way back? Uh, none that are worth anything, but right. with Yu-Gi-Oh! I definitely did. And I nice. started buying up some cards that I think will go up in the future uh, because of like sentimental reasons and stuff like that. Like Everyone knows Blue-Eyes White Dragon. If you get the first edition Blue-Eyes White Dragon and it's graded 10, you know that's worth money. Yeah, but, I remember that one, man. I got. I remember getting a Charizard one day, coming home ooh. from like a. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my fingers! I'm like conditioned to like go wild when someone says they pulled a Charizard. Oh really, dude? I had no idea how lucky I was at the time. But yeah, I went to uh like um what do you call one of those Halloween um pumpkin patches or. It was uh, anyways, yeah. It was for Halloween. I came back and I remember my mom bought me and my friend, the friend that took me the, the two packs, yeah. and I, I gave him one. I opened Ooh. mine and mine had the Charizard. I was like, yes. Wow, first edition Charizard today, like a perfect condition one, can go for fifty thousand dollars. Man, that's unbelievable. Like, and I remember I traded it for I think like thirty of the new age cards because I was like, well, thirty wow. seems like a lot. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know. We did not I had know. no idea, right? Yeah, but I mean, all that I feel like influenced, I don't know how much it influenced you, but yeah. I know it greatly impacted me. 
when I started realizing that, hold on, this thing about holding something that goes up in value is actually called investing. And there's this thing that people do, which is buying assets or stocks or real estate. And you can be doing this like forever. And this is how wealth is built. Yeah. Like that, that got me like, whoa, I need to get into this fast. So I was, uh, it was five years ago. I started in 2015. Okay, nice. And what was your first asset you bought? Was it a stock or an ETF or an index fund? Uh, first thing I ever bought was Weight Watchers stock. Ah, interesting. Yep. <laughs> and how did that go? Well, I know there's a lot of Bill or heat behind Bill Ackman shorting it. Wasn't he wrong? I, I, I'm not too familiar. So that, the reason why I got it was because I was doing paper trading, which is when, for anyone listening who doesn't know yet, it's when you buy like hypothetical stocks, you could do it on an app or on in the old days, they would just literally do it on a piece of paper and write down the price and then see what their money would right, do. Okay. So now, yeah, Weeble does that. You get $1 million in paper trades and you could buy stocks and like it updates the price as if you've actually spent the right, money. Okay, yeah. So I was doing that and, and I saw that Weight Watchers kept going up and up and I was reading the news in that paper trading app. And I saw Oprah Winfrey got a huge like stake in it. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> Oprah Winfrey. That was it. That was the only reason I if bought it. If I was going uh, in, you got to. <laughs> yeah. Oprah's going in, I got to. So I went in, it was $23. It went up a little higher. I started buying them for $27. It went down a little lower, 21 and I started buying them even more. And then it went down all the way to nine. Oh man. That's the best way to learn in hindsight though. I hope it wasn't a lot of money. It was actually to me back then that was a lot of money. I put I believe yeah. four thousand dollars into it, which was like almost everything. And right, um, oh, yeah, in a single stock, I didn't know about S and P five hundred and indexes. I didn't know, and I had money that my grandparents left behind for my college. And luckily, I went to a community college, so I saved a whole lot of money, and I had some money right. left over, and I used that to get into stocks. And back then, my mom would give me permission. I was still like not knowing, and she's like, just do it. I want you to learn this lesson. But the biggest lesson was not that Weight Watchers went down to $9. It was, <laughs> no. it was that it went a year later to 104 Oh, and did you hold on that long? Heck no, I did not know about buy and hold. As soon as my money broke even, I started selling it. Oh, damn. That's so, you know, you got to learn the hard way. That's like crushing. Yeah. Hopefully people listening won't learn the hard way about buy and hold. Like if I just bought it for that $27 and not looked, you know, it would have been a wild ride. But today- Yeah, you would have had five times your money at least almost. If I manage to yeah. time it and sell it there, yeah, because today the value is $24. Interesting. So technically, if you did hold really, really long, you nothing would have happened. Yeah. Yeah, I would have gone down a little bit, but I was buying them at 12, 15, 16, yeah. like the whole way through. I was reacting to the prices. Back then, I didn't know, like, stand your ground. Just stand your ground. Yeah, no, it's so important. And it, like, it's... It, it's you don't know until you get some skin in the game and then you have some money right because when i bought my first stock it was a cannabis one in canada and this was a year before oh. legalization was was in talks and, and about to happen and yeah 
Yeah, like I just I started a job where my new coworkers and then meanwhile my my best friend that I lived with also opened a self-direct account, so he told me to do that. And I mm. you know, it took me months. I didn't end up it took me a while, then I finally did it. Like what was I waiting for? But I bought a company at two dollars and fifty seven cents and then two weeks later they were at five dollars and seventy five. And so so I was like, Oh my god, I have to sell. There's no way this could keep going up. I could have held it till fourteen if I just held on. Wow. But, but then the other thing is, it's just like, then it becomes a game. And then I think you, you yeah. have a period of time where you have to stop yourself and realize like, okay, no, you're either going to take this seriously and learn or it's not for <laughs> you, right? Yeah, yeah, it's not about reactor. Reactors lose. It's if so you're true. Reacting, yeah, you can't just my. react. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, interesting experience. And like right after that, I buy a few others. And one of them I bought at 30 cents i sold it yesterday for for two cents to finally just Ooh. just put it behind me and forget about it and take the l yeah but um no hey you have to live and learn and, and i consider that like a, a university degree in a way too so exactly i mean it's probably like six times cheaper but yeah and learn and you learn a lot more about finances actually doing it like that yeah you do man just put just jumping in it's so true now I just want to ask, do you do you have a bit of perspective on like what is your like do you have an investment that you're hoping to make money or pay off for you in the next six to twelve months? And then how do you also prepare for the long term? And that's where you can kind of, I guess, bring in those old reliable funds. Yeah. Um, so every month I invest on the twenty fourth, which is my way of dollar cost averaging. So nice. I buy usually I put in the same amount of money no matter what. And Perfect. I manage to work up from five years ago, I was investing $200 a month. Now I'm investing $2,400 a month. And Amazing, man. Good for you. Yeah, it was a ride to get there, and it took a lot. And I'm glad that I learned my lesson off Weight Watchers my first month investing. And now, you know, uh, slow and steady. And now it's really picking up speed. And this new job, obviously, like now that I'm board certified, there's a pay increase. So the pay increase yeah. is going straight into that. So I don't know yet how much I'll be investing uh, from this point on. I'm still waiting for like some of my side hustle money and like my main nine to five to like come in and organize. This will be my first month where I can assess. Yeah. But I do the 24th because that's my grandma's birthday. And she uh, was born July 24th. And that's how I remember her. She was like the fiscal kind of conservative in the house. Uh, that's who came- you got it from then? exactly indirectly she never like taught me save money i just watched by example which is what we talked about in the beginning what is wealth and what is power it's when people look at you and they just absorb they have no choice to absorb because they see that you're radiating like health wealth yeah you know all of that so she always radiated that energy every time there was a problem she had money to solve it and she did not invest she just saved so I'm upping it in the family. I wish she was alive so she could see like what yeah. I did, you know, but that's why this July 24th, which is actually her birthday, I'm going to try to like double my investment, but I don't know if I can do that yet, but that's what I'm aiming for. That's six to 12 months. And really it's yeah, for the next yeah. like decade, I'm hoping. And yeah. the 30 to 40 year strategy a majority of my money is going towards index funds, but I do go into individual stocks. I am hoping for like to beat the market, but I also understand that it's hope and not like a reality. So my like 
daring by buying individual stocks like Disney and Facebook and Apple uh, and even a few like growth well, as long as you as long as they pay dividends it's better than putting it in a savings account honestly i mean yeah and i reinvest all dividends but i don't necessarily face yeah. dividend paying stocks like uh i know disney had a dividend and like now it's gone and if i was like counting on that it, that would kind of suck <laughs> oh yeah well i mean and of course funds exchange traded funds or etfs are just they would be far more reliable to treat as a savings account though honestly because they're not going to drop that much and you'll yeah. Yeah, you know, like yeah. they're diversified, so they're not going to fall that much. They're going to pay you a dividend if you can find a good one that pays the monthly compound mm-hmm. faster. Like, yeah, uh, great points, my friend. Uh, Meme Girl Club, uh, shout out. To- she <laughs> she said that like when investing, she learned to think about it as a deposit rather than an investment. Yes, that's a great distinction too. It's like yeah, you're just it's still your money. You're just putting it here from there to here. Like yeah. that's it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh shoot! You know what? This is the part that you're gonna have to bleep out. You probably have to bleep out her name. <laughs> Cause she, okay, no worries. She's anonymous. Is she anonymous? Yeah, I forgot. Okay, got you. Um, no, but I love that dude. That's great. Like you're you're getting paid more. No lifestyle inflation. That's how you get wealthy. Right, and then no thirty to forty years from now, I hope to be living off of my investments and kind of working when I want to. And again, this is why wealth has to do with health. If I'm not mentally healthy, physically healthy, I don't know why we separate the two. Mental is physical, but you know, just for the culture, I'll say mental and physically healthy. uh, 30 years from now. Yeah, I I just hope to like withdraw money off of my stocks or even the dividend cash flow and just live off of that. Maybe I'll get into real estate. Maybe I'll sell my Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Maybe, maybe for a lot, for a big gain and a lot more, right? Yeah. That's it. It's, I think it's, it's the mindset too that comes along with it. Cause I also do that. I, I was actually, I had a call with a client today or if, not even a client, a friend from the UK, but he wants to start investing. Mm. And of course, right. When you're an educator, anyone that's like, Hey, I'm ready. You're like, hallelujah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so nice, but it was, it was more explaining to him. Like, you know what? This is the ETF or these are the two ETFs that I'm going to just put $100 into each every single mm-hmm. month for the next yeah. 40 years. That is what allows me to look at my stock app and not get emotional, right? right. It's because like, I know that's for the long term. Mm-hmm. It's like, then I have this money that, you know, it's taken me a couple of years of, to get to this comfort level with it. But this money, I'm using it in a couple companies in hopes of getting short-term growth. So it's, it's just yeah. showing context. People just have the... They try and jumble it all together when it's just, it's a process and it takes. Yeah, I definitely tell people like your first year investing, just buy anything you want and hold on to it for as long as possible. That That's it. Yeah, that or like an ETF. I mean, an ETF feels like, is that what you refer to when you mention to anyone that's new? I, I tell them buy whatever you want, get it out of the way, learn your lessons kind of. But and just I'm hold like, on to it? And I'm just like, just hold it forever because ultimately yeah. if you're investing like, say $1,000 your first year, in the grand scheme of things, that $1,000 is going to be a tiny percentage of your overall portfolio in the next 30 to 40 years, you know? It's so true. And chances are, if you do gamble on a stock, you're going to make way more money if you hold it forever than if you just, yeah, than if you get impatient. Right. So just, just buy stuff that you believe in and hold it and then switch over to index funds while you learn. Like you don't have to take a whole year to learn. Interesting. Yeah, no, because well, 
there are many approaches and I, I would recommend someone even that's brand new just you know buy one buy a few shares of an etf every month and then as they get comfortable maybe like then find a company but i mean either or you just want that person to i think the the obstacle that once they get over once they just hold on to it yeah then they realize that like oh you know what the money's there i could always just get it if i needed it you know nothing nothing's changed it's just in a different spot Exactly. I guess yeah. I'm a little unorthodox by saying like buy individual stocks because like obviously that's not the safest thing to do, especially for a new investor. But I do it. Probably because... they're probably not going to do it anyways. Eh? <laughs> I mean, when you tell someone, "Hey, you you got a Disney pass? Why don't you get some Disney stocks?" is a lot more like motivating than like how about an ETF that has a percentage of Disney in it. You it's know, so true like, though. What? Yeah. What do you mean a percentage? I'm like, okay, just buy that in Disney stock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, so true. It's like, hey, what's that in your hand? I love Starbucks. Like, that's, <laughs> think like that. You can buy that. You can own that company. Exactly. It's so true. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, so three biggest investments. I like to ask my guests, if you can think back, Georgie, what are three of the biggest investments that you've made in yourself over time that helped get you to where you are today? Gosh, you with the questions, uh, the good questions. Like, this is a rich question. And I thanks, think... dude. I want, I want to get deep with everyone. Pull mm -hmm. all the hidden gems out of there, you know? People need to hear them. I think I could sum up my three biggest investments really in one, which is choosing the path of most resistance. And I like that. That's great. What I mean by that is like, look, I didn't know what a stock was. No one really taught me. Like my mom tinkered around here and there and she kind of, I peripherally learned about stocks. So it was like, the word flew around, but I, I had to go into it myself and no one was mm -hmm. going to guide me except for whoever I found to guide me that it wasn't going to come in front of me. So it was a brand new path. No one in my family really went this way. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. The path of most resistance. Same thing for my raps. You know, I don't have rhythm naturally. I didn't know there was a one, two, three, four in music. I was reading Dr. <laughs> Seuss to beats like for hours trying to get it right. I could not feel melody or harmony, any of that. Like I didn't know what B and key is. And all of that was like brand new path of most resistance. I would have like literally 66 takes on my first songs that I ever recorded. Wow. Just like grinding it out until like by luck, I would accidentally land on beat. And then it sounds right to you after that 65th try, like, okay, I can accept this. Yeah, definitely. I think like I had like a bunch of people who were like, oh man, like, come on, man, you went to UCLA, you, you, you didn't grow up with music. Why, why are you doing this? Like it's ours, like what's this for? And I think it's just to prove that I can do something that I suck at if I put enough time and dedication into it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you enjoy it, most importantly. Oh, yeah, there's that. There's that. That's secondary to me because I find joy in like doing things that I hate. Do you? And like it's more of like a challenge for yourself to do it or like complete it? Yeah, it's kind of like I feel like roller coasters where like you're, you're going like, oh, why am I doing this to myself? And then when you're on it, you're like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Yeah. But then something, you know, then whatever you intended almost comes true and you're like, OK, that's better. Yeah. And like now, like if. I want to create like art I can record like other people draw or whatever yeah but I literally go to my mic which is right next to me at all times I have 10 minutes I can make like a song or something 
and that's that's a lot of fun yeah and in, in retrospect too it's a skill set like you say you can record now you've got the knowledge and the background of how it all works and how it all comes together like well, i just got a ukulele and <laughs> I, yeah i bought a keyboard though like three years ago uh with the intention of learning and i did not follow through on that and just ended up selling it but it was it was only in that little venture that i realized like wait there's like a a one, two, three, four, and yeah, like I, I had no idea, and that's what made it so difficult. So it was like having to go back to basics this time around, making sure you can actually go, yeah, learn the right thing and go from there. That's what it's about, yeah, doing new things. That's how you grow. Absolutely. So what would be number two? Huh. So that that's what I'm saying, though. Like all of the things that I've done, like the best investment I made is, of course, buying a stock for the first time the best investment I made was grabbing a microphone and just putting $60 into it and buying it and wrapping until yeah. it felt good to me. That That's where all of my like greatest investments come from. But when it comes to stocks, I think my greatest investment there is a company called Overstock. And that that's like getting okay. specific, but like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's I okay. think uh, Overstock was such a huge lesson. And I'm so proud of myself because I could have repeated what Weight Watchers did to me in 2015. So Overstock right. is a company that they just sell like furniture and things like that, or they did traditionally, and they went into the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency, uh, which gave them a huge boost uh, in 2017 where they were like on the map again. And then they right. just got like a government contract as well, and they created their own like brokerage platform so you can actually buy and sell stocks through them which is like all wow. so many like really illuminati type stuff under one company speaking of illuminati their um <laughs> their former ceo his I, I forgot his name i should know it uh, i just slipped out but his father was uh working with warren buffett at berkshire hathaway so it's all connected <laughs> and the FBI actually like tracked down the former CEO of Overstock. Uh, man, what is his name? So did, did they file for bankruptcy? Like, were they a fraudulent company? No, 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 no. They're they're fine. Overstock is fine. His uh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, but like, cause they're connected. Is that what you no, mean? No, no, no. It was just a fun fact that like. Uh, oh, okay, gotcha, like, gotcha. His well, dad's connected. Patrick of Byron. I had to Google him. I forgot his name, but his father worked with Warren okay. Buffett. And it kind of shows how this whole industry is connected. But Patrick actually was on the news everywhere last August where the he said the FBI made him date a Russian spy. <laughs> and uh, he basically sold all of his shares of his company and left. Interesting. Well, so like, did you did you manage to get a decent return out of your time with Overstock? So here's what happened. I was a uh, I'm long on it. I've had it for two and a half years or so. So I actually wrote it from fifty eight dollars all the way down to two dollars and fifty two cents or so. Interesting. Yeah. Right. So I had about ninety percent of my money wiped out in overstock. Ninety yeah. percent. But unlike Weight Watchers, I was buying on the way down, and I never sold it. So today. Uh, literally in the last two days, uh, Overstock went up 15% two days in a row, and now my money is up maybe 45%. Okay, so you have made your gains back finally, though. Oh, yeah, and it all happened in the last three months. On my Charles Schwab account, I actually invested in Overstock separately, 
and that is up in the last three months about a thousand four hundred percent okay nice and so did you buy the company and then learn about them or did you learn about them before buying the company so a little bit of both so at first i just yeah yeah as you're learning that's how how one does it yeah i definitely learned more about it as i was increasing my stake in it and that's probably not the smartest thing to do but a lot of data shows that people who just buy companies like just buy them have a decent chance of beating people who are professional investors reading all the reports etc cetera, etc cetera. and it, i think it's called the monkey study even though it was like an algorithm where right. an algorithm like picks 30 stocks and it has more than 50 percent chance of beating experts so oh yeah man i believe that too right you just pick a few that again if you just believe in the concept and it's going right. to be around pick that forget about it it's just so hard to forget about it <laughs> yeah, and I mean, part of it is um, also like I, I uh, majored at UCLA in sociology and gender studies, and the sociology side of it comes in where it's like, okay, we're in a pandemic, people are increasing their online sales, people are investing more, and Overstock has power in both of those areas where they're opening a brokerage and it's going pretty well. They're getting a lot of new users, and they're yeah. also selling furniture which has skyrocketed wayfair uh restoration hardware all doing fantastic in the last three months with covid that's it right home delivery straight to your door it's a new way to do it yep and that's, on you, man. that's why i continue with overstock yeah and, and that's it too right i just it, it's so important where you know you, you can invest in a company where you might not know anything about it and that is gambling but if you take the time to learn about it while you're holding it you learn a, you learn a lot yeah, and I don't think people realize that it, it, it that in itself is an education. So it's it's not something to be aware of, or afraid of, but you know it is just that fear of let of losing money. To right, and I mean, something. at first it was like a mystery, and I did not invest a lot of money with it until I knew more about it. You know, first I just yeah, put like no, okay a couple hundred, and then I really looked into the company, uh, looked at their website, talked to people who buy their merchandise. Uh, my mom is a somewhat fan you know so yeah. i learned i learned through there but she's more into restoration hardware that's another story um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah so i did learn a lot about it on the way good awesome man and then so what would be number three i think number three would probably be educating others around me so again it's i didn't know anything about like social media marketing or like reaching out to people again it's the path of most resistance where i i yeah. had my it's real shady g account where i rapped and i grew like a thousand followers and people were listening to my raps but i really wanted to impact and change lives in a practical quick way which is finances hey four minutes make an account this is how you do it done yeah and that's that's what i did with financialism which really hurt switching from the shady g platform to a brand new one but i felt like I owe a debt to the world around me because I was privileged enough to not actually have debt because I had my grandma who saved up. Yeah, and... that's amazing, man. That's so true. Be grateful. Yeah. Good. Well, that, that's great. And like by just putting yourself out there, I think that also gives you a bit more of that taste of regardless, you, you put out some good energy and someone's going to react. People are going to find it. People are going to like it and vibe with it. And that's just also reminds you that you're doing something good. You're educating. You're just trying to help people. And yeah, just starts there and then it grows. Yeah, thanks, man. 
Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. And so, so I guess then it's Shady G. You started rapping before, or sorry, it's real Shady G. You started rapping. Was that before financialism? Shady G's fine, by the way. It's just my handle is real Shady G. Okay. But uh, I started rapping actually at the same time as I started buying stocks. So like to me, they're brother, they're okay. sibling skills. You know, I learned them both at the same time, but I was always fascinated by rhyming and I would always write yeah. like, probably since 2011, 2010, I would write like uh, little songs here and there. My first one was probably 2008. My mom found it and yelled at me and <laughs> yeah, she went on my MySpace and looked and she was like, she learned her lesson to never check my social media, even if she has the power to do so. And she was like, I will never do that again, right. but wow. <laughs> Man, I've got a few stories. If you don't mind sharing, if you don't mind me, um, there was one time I was singing at my friend's house, and uh, oh, do you know God. the song "Puke" by Eminem? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> and it, like, it's just me and three friends. We think we're home alone. I just start singing the second verse out loud, just just blaring it throughout the house. My eyes are closed. I'm just yelling at the sky, so into it. I turn and open my eyes and look as I finish. His mom's standing right there, just. Oh. jaw on the floor oh. <laughs> did you do the little vomit sounds and everything she said i had flow yeah no i didn't <laughs> oh mom's eh? and they're like what's gonna happen to them yeah no i know that song because i would always turn down the the puking part in case like my mom oh. was nearby i didn't want her to think yeah. i was watching weird things on the internet <laughs> and who, who are your biggest inspirations as as rappers as rappers, my inspirations change pretty often. They're not stable. I think rap is like a moving entity. It's transforming all the time. So I try not to let Right, them. but like if you had a favorite, who would your favorite be? Yeah, same thing. Same answer. Like it really yeah? changes. Like gotcha. it depends who it is. Like lately I, I like this rapper IDK, formerly known as JIDK. He's really I don't want to say he's up and coming, but to most people, he's up and coming. He's definitely been at it for a minute. Uh, he featured with ASAP Ferg, uh, Juicy J, uh, Denzel Curry, so many like big names. He's definite. He's been on um, uh, BT and the Cypers with like who I consider legends, like uh, King Los. And again, like King Los, he was on uh, Rhythm and Flow, one of the coaches, and he's like known for his freestyle okay. mastery like his freestyle videos on sway in the morning are some of the most watched freestyle like uh everyone in the game recognizes king los uh for his freestyle ability i've seen like interviews where multiple rappers keep referring to him like uh, asap rocky he was like king los he could spit like that that's definitely someone that like if i had to pick one i would say king los is definitely someone to study for people who want to be great rappers like his wordplay is like little wayne minus the commercialism so he's not really selling for the radio he's just like this is the art of rap can you know? he can he come close to eminem though his wordplay i mean oh i i think uh i i would say it's very hard to say one is better than the other when it comes to wordplay and of course like m has that whole like well, not to say better, but I mean, just like quality wise, there are people that have very good quality and there are less. So I just meant, I guess it, like that. Yeah. It, it, it depends like what, what your criteria is when it comes to wordplay. I right. would say that because Eminem goes a lot for like syllable play and he goes uh, for like whole like bar. It's true. Language. I haven't heard who you're referring to either. So I don't know. Yeah. With King Los, it's a lot of metaphors and punchlines, kind of like a little Wayne style, but like even more like oomph you know 
uh, kind of like Kendrick Lamar meets Lil Wayne, uh, but they're related to Eminem's cousin who raps better than Eminem, but we never heard of. Gotcha. That's Rabbit. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's just some people that like I'm inspired by when it comes to rap. There's, of course, like Good. just so many like. I don't know if you heard of uh, St. John, who's like, he's really popular on TikTok right now. Someone remixed this song. Is he, honestly, I don't listen to much new rap. I'm, I'm more of like a 90s to like 2009 rap Okay, fan. so like what? Like Lil Wayne, Tupac, Eminem, that crazy. Eminem, Biggie, Tupac, uh, Big okay. L, Big Pun, okay. uh, 50 Cent, Ludacris, M uh like there are quite a few though but i think it was like well kendrick kendrick is really good because i'm more of the lyric like i like the story and i like the lyrics and the words so a lot of the newer stuff which goes more for catchy hooks or beats i just don't really listen to as much but uh j cole too like his first few albums yeah 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 j cole's um, i go i go back to his like warm-up uh tapes and yeah, warm up or like Friday night. Yeah. Or what is it? Friday night lights. Yeah. yeah. But but that's the thing. I just I listen to podcasts now <laughs> instead. But I mean music. Yeah, I make a yeah. rule where like if I'm driving two days, I can listen to podcasts, but then I have to listen to music. Yeah, well, it just puts you in a different zone. And like, so for yourself, do you rap? Do you rap about finance at all, or do you mostly rap about just separate concepts? Honestly, like uh, now I'm rapping more about finance because like a lot of rappers Good. rap about money. But they're yeah. they're not rapping about money, you know. No, that's so true. They're actually like, that's a great point for the amount of raps that have talked about money, but have not taught you anything about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you learn how to spend a lot. Yeah, but uh, with exceptions, you know, there's a uh, Nipsey Hussle, huge exception. Like he is the yeah. ultimate financial rapper. You know, Nipsey Hussle is is it like by the block like all the time like that is what he's preaching he's actually investing he was one of the first like big names to really talk about cryptocurrency as well as an investment really? yeah check out those videos they're from like 2014 2015 uh he would go to cryptocurrency conventions and stuff like yeah really sad that like he was basically... yeah rest in peace nipsey yeah so i actually listen to him more for his like financial content than his music uh i'm a big, gotcha, yeah. all his interviews like that's the stuff that i watched and i probably have more playtime on that than his actual songs but when i do listen to his songs like a lot of it is capturing that so i like to mince a little bit of financial like literacy in my songs uh without it kind of being too cheesy i guess but i can't help yeah. being cheesy because <laughs> i'm cheesy well dude i mean that that too it's like there's really no boundary to financial rap and that that's it might not be necessarily the coolest thing, but hey, if it's good enough and someone learns something, I'm sure they're not going to be upset that you taught them. <laughs> yeah, man, I learned. Yeah, gosh, I'm I have more money now. <laughs> there's a there's a famous like comedian on uh on YouTube who like he mimics his jo- uh, what's his name? It's like Lucas something. Frank Lucas. That's like his uh his like catchphrase. Uh, he's like. Crank, Crank Lucas, that's him. Crank he had, Lucas. yeah, he had. He's really famous though on YouTube uh, when it comes to like uh, rappers. So he he okay. sells his beats and stuff, and he had a financial rapper like parody, and he was just like going in about like buying stocks and real estate, and then like he acted like the producer, like rolling their eyes and stuff. It was right. Pretty good. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, like 
that's it. It's just like when we when we look at rap and we're like, how can we make this more digestible or helpful pe- to people in ways? It, 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 you know, if you can do it financially, then then yeah, let that gift come out. You know, it's great. Yeah, that that's where it's at, and that's why like you know when it comes to people like Eminem, I think it's really hard to compare people because he's doing something that is such a subgenre, but because he's so big, we like judge it as rap, but like. It's the, yeah. it's the lyrical miracle type raps, but like he goes in so deep and so specific, there's a science to it. And for a lot of people, it just goes over their heads, you know? That's a good point. Yeah, it's true. And I am biased. He was my favorite, so. Yeah, I love I love his stuff. I loved uh, like growing up with a lot of his music and I'm still growing up with his music. I go back to his older yeah. tracks like a lot of times and I listen to all his new stuff like multiple times and most rap this is what i mean like i like to do what i hate i don't like it i don't naturally like rap it's just i'm fascinated by it like it's like war i don't like war but i'm fascinated by it good point yeah like just there's something to learn from it if you if you look long enough and if you pay attention yeah it's the only music genre i really like listen to now did you prepare anything anything fresh that you want to drop for us tonight Financialism, Shady G, is always prepared. Always. Okay. Good. Do you happen to have a beat? I don't have a beat, unfortunately. No, no, forget the beat. Forget the beat. It, you can, okay, you can probably, you could probably take this and 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 mash it to a beat, and it'll work out. Perfect. All right, you yeah, ready? Yeah, lay it on us. I, and I, I wrote something All too. Right. I can share as well. Just one of my newer things I'm working on. So you go first. Okay, I'm just gonna do eight lines right here. Okay. All right, all right. Everybody stand back. Stand back, please. Give me some space. Give me some space. Let him cool right, off, you, everybody. Let's go. All right, th- this mic's dirty. I don't want to get no virus. Uh, but let me get another mic. All right. Sanitize all right, that's it. Good. That's Sanitize good. it. One, two, one, two, three, four. Money in the bank don't mean a thing. Inflation rate, that's a meaner thing. Got my masters, passed my classes, started life like amino acids. I buy stocks, I invest in assets. It's not hard, anyone can grasp it. Running out of air, I be gasping. Better drop the mic, so I'ma pass it. Hey, that's awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't pick that up right away, but that's like a fast-paced beat too. I get, I, I mean, you can slow it down, probably. Fast-paced rap. Yeah, you can, you can, but. You know the song Monster? You almost sounded like... Uh... Uh, that song is probably one of the number one songs in rap, in my opinion. Like It goes Lose Yourself, Monsters on the List. Uh, there's Immortal Techniques, Dance with the Devil. Like Oh, Dance with the Devil is unbelievable, dude. As if you know that. Great track. Oh, so yeah. Good. Immortal Technique is one of the few people that I actually had to spend money on and go see live. Oh man, honestly, I haven't seen Immortal Technique, and just the fact that you brought his name up, I haven't thought of him in ages. But he used to be one of my favorite. Like he That's was a truth rapper. Oh yeah, and and he was also um, completely independent. So he, yes, everything yes. by himself, millions of dollars. He built a school. Um, gosh, where was it? Uh, I don't want to say the wrong name, but he built a school, and it wasn't in the states. No worries. Well, I mean, dude, like, cause that guy—that's a real inspiration. Where he just sticks to his truth and like. Man, I'm so just I'm so glad you said his name because I hadn't thought of him in years. And there's those songs where you would explain how the CIA was, you know, dumping, putting, yeah, putting their democratic leaders in uh, in in Central America, Nicaraguan Contra, so they can bring it back. It's just like it's so 
intellectually stimulating man no one could do it like him almost yeah i think there's a whole wave he inspired you know like he's definitely yeah. really really something special yeah he is all right man my turn i will i did promise you that i would spit this something now so i think i've told you i'm trying out these one minute long ones on tiktok all right i haven't published any of them yet but i want to try and get a few done so that at least i can pump them out and go from there but uh you ready yeah, I'm always ready. Okay, so this one is it's about morning routines. I'll try to take a concept <laughs> and explain it, storytell it in my way, and then that way it might give people a different look or perspective to try it themselves. So I'm ready. All right. Every day I'm up at five, make coffee with the sun rises. Then I read for an hour, the peace and quiet gives me power. I don't look at my phone, this keeps me focused perhaps, so I can work my abs, take a crap, and prepare to write rap. Six to seven, I get moving with a run or some burpees, or if I'm in the zone, I keep reading or start writing early. It's a flex hour, but I always reserve a 15-minute block for mindfulness, meditation, and positive self-talk. Don't say shit until you tried it, because it starts my day being grateful and looking inward in a positive way. So at seven, I can tread the keyboard and flow with my thoughts, and once I start flowing, it's pretty damn hard to stop. Halfway through these bars, it's already 7.30. Make myself a second coffee, getting caffeine thirsty. Some days go smoother than others, but I don't waste time dwelling. Each day, I get closer to mastering the art of storytelling. It won't happen every night, so I'm patient and stay consistent, learning to love the process and fighting resistance. The best part, I'm done before starting work at 8, so no matter how shitty a day gets, I can still feel great because I made time for myself before anyone else giving me the courage to put myself out there and offer my help. I'm a bit slow. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, thanks, man. That's that's where it's at. Yeah, I could follow your whole day right there. That was a whole music video. That's three hours. Yeah, eh? like <laughs> it's a productive explanation of three hours. But no, thanks, man. Like, well, that's you, you got to memorize it so that it flows as best as possible. Then try and put it on a beat. But um, yeah, I mean, we should we should try to make something sometime. I I have like beats for my friends and stuff. Like, yeah, we should shady G. Let's do it. <laughs> we can collab most definitely man yeah most deaf is another great rapper he is he definitely is so last question before we go uh what does the word retirement mean to you Ooh, okay okay so retirement is to me to me because i know like this word like yeah you know there's like the standard opinion and there's the cultural view and i think what like all of our pages like yours mine and all sorts of people like i just want to shout everyone out but like (laughs) we are redefining you know it's like re-retirement where you have the freedom to choose whatever you want to do so less than retirement it's more about financial independence like none of us want to stop like in your song you even said once i start i can't stop you know yeah that's so true like (laughs) i want to keep doing behavioral therapy i love working with kids on the spectrum. I learned so much about humanity, about them, about me, about how behavior works. I just don't want my nine to five to be something that I am counting on to survive because that makes you dislike it a bit. You know, like I have to do this, but if it's a choice, you don't have to. And, and you do a much better job when you don't have to do your job, you know? Yeah. And, and when it's your choice, it's so much exactly better. that. That's what this is all about. This is why I'm investing as much money as I can now. So instead of retiring in 30 to 40 years, I could do it in 10 to 17. I'm hoping. Yeah, that's ambitious goals. I mean, I mine is 100k by 30, 500k by 35 and a million by by 40. Wow. And, and notice like that that journey, like 
there the compound interest there where you're like the the five last hundred thousands are going to come so much faster than so much fast yeah you know i'm kind of anticipating that so that that's what it's about and uh, Real quick, I just want to know, like, what are you investing in? Like, what's your strategies? Like, I want to know a little oh, bit yeah. better. No worries. Thanks for asking, man. So, so like I say, I've got, so I'm, I'm quite risky and I, you know, I'm 27, so I'm taking the risk now. Mm-hmm. Um, but so to, to, to cover my butt long-term, I have these two ETFs. One is a Canadian high dividend yield and one is a U.S. total market. Mm. I've been actually focusing a lot more money in the Canadian ETF because it pays me dividends every month. Nice. So I'm about a month away from being able to buy a single share uh, with my dividends, which is really nice. Now, this fund isn't priced up at 200 like VTI or any Vanguard funds. It's, mm-hmm. it's only about 30 bucks. Nice. But it's still a nice, nice spot. But I've got like about 60, about 70% of my portfolio in two companies. Mm. And one of them is the company that I've been investing in for two years, but over the last two years since I've learned more about them and decided that I think they will be the number one Canadian cannabis company in the next few mm. months and years, uh, just because they executed best out of all of them in the last few years. So yeah, I've basically, I'm, I'm still down about four grand in that mm. investment, but like again, right? So I'm covering myself long-term. This is my chance to just try and take a risk. Mm-hmm. Now the stock price is sitting at five bucks. Um, and unfortunately, Canada did not do a very good job at the rollout last year with legalization, and sorry, from 2018. But, you know, they, they didn't open a, enough brick and mortar stores in, you know, the, the province with the highest population. Yeah. So what we saw in 2018 was a big run up of prices due to hype. Then they came all the way down and they've hit bottom. And now they're slowly coming back to life. But there's just, mm. you know, this one that I think and I'm positive, like, that's why I've put so much money into it, that it will at least give me a probably a 300% return in in the next year. But the thing is, I, I like, my goal with that one is to own, own it at least until Ooh. 2025, most likely. Oh, I love that. That you have a date in mind rather than a dollar amount. You know, and yeah. you have a percentage goal. Will, will you sell it if you get 300%? returns oh yes yeah so and and so where i'm at is like if at any point i get a hundred percent i'm gonna sell a couple hundred shares i haven't decided yet but um it all just depends on what momentum i'm feeling because there's a few factors and say what you want the u.s if they it's just like legalizing cannabis would do such a number of reducing just racial injustice and even just encounters with police and you know, black people, you know what I mean? It was just yeah, like, I was, I was about to snipe you on there. Like I was just waiting for it to be my turn. I'd be like, plus we got to free all the people who got arrested first. So oh, that too, out. right? Hundreds then, of thousands of people that are in jail because they smoked a joint and they were separated from their family due to racial laws. Like, yeah. And they all need to be compensated. All of, well, yeah. Like at least compensated or rehabilitated with the whole point of prison technically was in the first place. Right. Like yeah, it's, we owe them as a society. I, I feel like, yeah That's no i mean episode, but yeah exactly and, and, and so so just I, I wanted to give context there because so i'm in this one company that i personally think like i think i'll see a 300 percent gain probably in the next six months just because they're the only profitable company and all the other companies that are you know five six times their market cap 
are, you know, losing billions of dollars in operating costs. So like when you look at the fundamentals, it's like I found a company that's undervalued and I'm just mm. waiting for it to rise back up. And that's my thought process there. Mm. Mm. Um, and then I got a few other stocks that are private investment and a few others that are, um, again, high risk. But, you know, we'll save this for another episode. I can get into why I own them. And there's just there's always intention behind it. And I just think that's a much... Uh, easier way to be content with yourself when you find out why you're doing things and then you do them with purpose so i love it man and like even if both of us make mistakes you know like okay so we'll retire on time yeah yeah exactly like I, it, it ultimately I, I think you're gonna end up thinking up whatever you you want to achieve or where you want to be what you want to become right and you're you're your own limitation so yeah by us kind of breaking through that and just being like no you know what we can make this happen it's not going to happen overnight so don't try to make it happen overnight right yeah exactly we'll get there man Love but um no and it's just there's just it's so much more just about it's more but more than investing it's just about people continuously learning mm-hmm. throughout their life um and you know even everyone's gonna have different life paths and stuff but at no point should you stop learning and that's probably my biggest takeaway in just any of this like my last three years of investing starting the podcast i'm sure probably with you right like everything that you have every path of resistance you've taken against it's taught you a heck of a lot that you carry with you so for sure yeah i mean i feel like if the stock market disappears i still have all of my gains yes dude that's real that's real talk awesome man well thank you so much for coming on georgie shady g it's been a pleasure now uh where can people find more of your stuff online yeah, definitely at Financialism on YouTube and Instagram. Uh, if you want to follow the rap stuff, I'm probably going to post it on Financialism anyways, but it's on It's Real Shady G. Also, there's some YouTube, SoundCloud, and Instagram. Awesome, Georgie. Thank you so much. And any last piece of advice for the listeners? Just invest. If you if you spent this this hour or so and you don't have an, a brokerage account yet, like pause the – you should have paused it. You should have paused this podcast. You should have made an account while listening. Actually, yeah, don't even pause it. Like, make the account while listening. I wonder if this part will, should play at the beginning. So, <laughs> they'll be making the account. <laughs> no, well, I could put it at the beginning if, yeah, if but you want to. Everybody, just make your investing account. Like, seriously, please, 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 please. I just, these moves take minutes to make, but most people spend years making them. Yeah, exactly. And you just got to start with one and just like as much as. It can be risky to invest if you don't know what you're doing. You will save so much money by self-directing. So if you just need that guidance, message me or Georgie. Heck, yes. And it's way more more risky to not invest than to invest wrong. You know, like eventually you will. I invested wrong. My first investment was wrong. And it worked out because I was consistent at it. I didn't stop. I made it a monthly habit. And I think if you do take on the challenge and the long-term process of investing yourself and learning to do it, you might have a few failures or bumps, but you will make way more money than if you thought you could just pay someone to do it for you. Yep. Always. Always. Yeah. Truths, man. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. I'll see you later, man. And that's our show, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can find this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, and at anchor.fm slash highly invested. 
I hope you got some value out of the episode. And if you did, please go leave a like, a review, or a rating. I always like to know who's listening, and it helps with the organic reach. And if you could pass it on to any like-minded friends that might get some value out of it, just want to help spread the knowledge and make everyone a little bit more financially literate. This is your host, Jordan Hiley, signing off, everybody. Stay highly invested in yourselves. Till next time.